It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Well, Pod listeners, you can't say you didn't hear it coming. Ange Postacoglu is the new man in charge at Tottenham Hotspur. Former Premier League stars Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges and former Socceroo Tommy Orr will speak to the significance of the appointment and what we can expect. I'm your host, Teo Pelizzeri. This is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get into this very special edition of the Gegenpod. Yes, we've put out the bat signal and our former Premier League stars, Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges, join us. It is a momentous occasion for the game in Australia. And I tell you what, I reckon it's a pretty momentous occasion in the Bridges household. How are you, Michael Bridges? Good evening, good morning, and welcome to the listeners. Honestly, I am absolutely buzzing with the appointment of Ange Postacoglu to the mighty Spurs. There you go. What a what a weekend. You know what it is? I've... It's been mad. I went up to um, Celtic to watch Ange and Celtic do the treble. Um, I caught up with Harry Kuehl over there for a bit, my old mate from Leeds United. And, the you know, the fans were buzzing. The place was going and everybody was just talking about, is Ange going to stay or is he going to Spurs? And I'm kind of sitting with all these Celtic fans thinking, yeah, he's done fantastic. But I hope to see him at Spurs next week. And that's exactly what I got. So it's blooming brilliant. Mark Schwarzer, your initial reaction, because I look back at some of the Gegenpod titles, as far back as March, we had one called Tottenham's Pitch for Ange Postacoglu. You might remember speaking about that. In April, we had a Gegenpod with the headline, Crisis at Spurs, is Ange Postacoglu the answer? It's safe to say that we have had this on the runway ready for takeoff for a number of months. We have, and of course, good reason to have it as well, because I think the fact that his track record over the last couple of years in particular, since obviously he went to Japan with Yokohama, and then obviously to Celtic. Um, I mean, I think the step up from Yokohama to Celtic was one that a lot of people didn't think he was capable of. People hadn't heard of him. There was so many doubters. Obviously, going to Celtic, um, he, he, he silenced all those immediately almost. And I think um, uh, since his time there, He's proven time and time again they've gotten better. Uh, he's improved the squad time and time again with spending very little money in in terms of the grand scheme of things. And um, it's absolutely no surprise to me whatsoever that that a club in the Premier League, a big club in the Premier League, has come in for him. Um, and uh, I can't believe I just said Tottenham is a big club. They are. Are they are. Bridgie, it's okay. Relax. They are a big club. I admit, um, and I'm glad to see him there because I, I think it's a, I think it's a great appointment. And I I know there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of people on social media, a lot of people in the, in the media saying that, uh, you know, how long is he going to be there for? He'll be there, I'll give him till Christmas and so forth. And what a bad appointment and so forth. I, I truly believe he'll do a really good job there. Bridgie, how would you assess the reaction? You've had the Scottish experience at the weekend. Now you're in the midst of the media cycle in the UK. 
Tell us yeah. what are the impressions you're getting because for, I'll, I'll tell you from afar, it, it feels as though the dedicated Spurs fan base are digging up all of the media that's been compiled over the journey. Some of it made by Optus Sport, uh, finding Ange Postacoglu documentaries, behind the scenes, team talks, and they are finally taking the time to get to know this guy beyond simply his name and his resume. And that's exactly what it is. If you remember, sports is just, um, I'm pleased he's seen the light and he realised Tottenham's a big club. So that's, that's a, that was a great thing. It's taken Ange Postecoglou to get the job for sports that he wants that one, so that's great. But it, you know, it's fascinating. You you think of all the media speculation now that's going on and they're getting behind the, the bandwagon of Ange Postecoglou. The fans at Spurs, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of them saying, who is this? What's he all about? Well, it, it's exactly the same rubbish that we heard about when he got the Celtic job. He'll not last till Christmas. He will go out and prove them all wrong. Go and, do, go and have a look at the, the footage, the games. What they're getting is a serial winner. And you look at everywhere that Ange has been, he's, he's collected silverware. And that is one thing that Tottenham have lacked massively. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been a big advocate of, of Ange's because when you go through the badges over in Australia as well, you know, I've, I've gone through the ABC and done the, the pro diploma. Uh, it's not easy. But then you've got to go and put that into practice, come up with your own style of play. And that's exactly what Ange has done. He sticks by his values. He sticks to it. And if you want to go on a journey with him, um, you, you know, he'll take you on the ride. And if you don't, then he, he's not um, scared to make big, big decisions with big players. And that's what I'm hoping. He can come in and clean the culture and sort it out with Tottenham. That's going to be his biggest challenge. Who's going to come in? Who's going to stay? But I think he is the man that will uh, make some huge, huge decisions. And the style of football that the fans at Spurs are going to have to appreciate is it's attacking. We're finally going to see some balls getting in the final third. We're going to stop complaining about the way Mourinho played, the way Conte played, being defensively, like just just very slow and lethargic. This is going to be entertaining. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Harry Kane saga unfolds from this day forward. Well, let's start with some of those big decisions he's going to have to make coming straight through the door. Because, Mark, Harry Kane is the one that looms over the club at the moment. It's going to be inherently relevant to how much money Spurs might be able to spend in the transfer market. If they sell him, if they keep him, it'll be, does he sign a new contract or does he leave on a free transfer at the end of the season? I mean, you you have first-hand experience of Ange Postacoglu making the big calls on the high-profile players. What do you see is going to happen here with Harry Kane? Well, I think first and foremost, I think Andrew will be hopeful that he'll stay at the club. I think there's no doubt about that. I think, you know, Harry Kane is a world-class striker. And, you know, how do you replace someone of his quality? Um, it's going to be almost impossible to to replace like for like. So uh, I think his first job would be to go there and tell him his story, tell him, tell him his plans, tell him his vision. Um, see if Harry wants to be on board. And just like Bridgie just said there, if Harry decides he doesn't want to go on that journey, he wants to go on other challenges somewhere else, which I, I, I would have to say that I'd like to think if I were in his position right now, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be looking to go. I mean, if it's a Real Madrid, I mean, I'm talking, we're talking about the upper echelon, right? So if it's a Real Madrid um, who have come in for him, Manchester United obviously are very, very keen on him. I don't think Daniel Levy will sell him to Manchester United. I just don't. I mean, all the sounds that are coming out of there, uh, out of Tottenham and the media, it sounds like he'd rather let him go for free than sell him to Manchester United. I don't think that's quite right, but I I just think it's going to have to be something extraordinary from Manchester United, uh, uh, an offer that would 
tempt Daniel Levy to sell him to a, to a big rival. But I think Real Madrid, look, if Real Madrid are, are legitimately interested and want to put in that sort of money, 100 million pounds, I, if I were Hurricane, I think in this situation, I mean, I wish I was in that situation. I, I would I would jump at it. So, Swartz, do you not think that Ange Postacoglu could turn around to Kane in the next few days and have a chat with him and show, show him the amount of chances that he's created at the clubs that he's been at, when he was at Marinosh, when he was at Celtic and Sale. Think about how many goals you've scored when we haven't been playing a proactive style all the time. I'm going to give you more license to get more chances. And he's got that... Can he, can he sell that product of football to a Harry Kane to keep him in the Premier League at Tottenham to say, go and chase Alan Shearer's record at this club and you will get silverware here? Do you think, though, that's a big enough incentive in terms of... The record, the, the Premier League goal-scoring record. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a, it, it is special. It is, is, is monumental to get a record like that. But in the end of the day, I think probably what would be would be even more important and more appreciated would be trophies, silverware, winning major trophies. Uh, do I believe that that uh, that Ange will bring trophies to Spurs? If he's given the right time and the right support, yes, I think he's got every chance. I think they're they're they'll be in the best chance they've been in a long, long time. Um, but uh, will it happen soon enough? Hurricane's 29 years old. He's 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 at the prime of his career, and I I, I don't know. I just think that if he wants to finish as a as a, a, a you know an absolute legend of someone who's who's won a lot of trophies, I think he has to move now. So last question for you then, Swartz, on that topic from me. If I'm sitting in that room and I'm Ange and you're Harry Kane, and I'm selling sorry you're you're Ange and I'm Harry and you're trying to tell me to stay. What do you want to do? All right, considering what you've said about Daniel Levy not wanting him to go to Manchester United, right? Let's just say Real Madrid falls through and he doesn't go, because I, I think if that came up, I, you'd be mad not not to go. So what I'm trying to say is, if he decides that he says to Ange, you know, I would like to leave and I would like to go, and then it doesn't materialise and he won't, Levy won't let him go to Man United. How do you keep How do you keep a Harry Kane for the season happy? Ange Ange wouldn't Ange wouldn't be happy with that, would he? No, he wouldn't be. But ultimately, he's also used to clubs making decisions, right? So he's he's also used to working within certain parameters, and I think he'll see it, he'll take it upon him as, as a challenge. So so if if the Real Madrid thing didn't happen, and there was only really a Manchester United option, and, and like you said, that Spurs were totally against letting him go there, and they went, no, you're not going, then it's up to Ange, and he has he has then effectively six months at least to prove to him. That is that that this is the style of football. Show him the style of football that Spurs are going to play. Give him the 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 hunger and the desire and and the the impression and, and the knowledge of how they want how he wants to play and see this the the improvements himself. And then he has an opportunity to make a decision. And he still he still has every opportunity to to I'm going to say convince him, but to I, I suppose. To, to to let him know that this this is a club that is going somewhere and is genuinely on the, the road for, for titles. Whether it's this season, I don't think so. But next season, I think there will genuinely be an opportunity. Now, Spurs play, would you believe, a pre-season game in Perth against West Ham United, which is fantastic for Australia. But uh, Harry Kane, a bit like Ronaldo not coming to Australia last off-season uh, and then ending up turning around and staying at Manchester United to begin with uh, anyway... We just don't know what the future holds. But I'm going to get you to look into your crystal balls. Day one of the Premier League season, so put pre-season aside, will Harry Kane be in the Tottenham Hotspur lineup? Yes or no, Michael Bridges? Well, can I just say before I answer that question, too, a few weeks ago, I came out with a massive statement and I said that 
about the managers that Tottenham had been looking at, that in the following season, Tottenham would be in a relegation battle. It would be horrible. I take it all back now that Ange Postecoglou's in charge. This is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And if Harry Kane, will he going to be their first game of the season? I'm going to be a realist. And I'm going to say, unfortunately, no. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look at it this way. I, I, I don't think... I don't think Real Madrid will go and spend a hundred plus million pounds on him. I don't know. I, I just don't feel they'll pay that sort of money for a 29 year old considering, you know, Eden Hazard, they spent a fortune on and got their fingers burnt because that didn't work out. Um, They've got some incredible players that they could use as a leeway though, Swartzy. That that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would be the alternative, right? So, but if it's a straight out financial thing in terms of money, I don't think Manche- uh, Real Madrid will pay that sort of money or, or even above that because Daniel Levy will try and play hardball, of course. Um, and I think also uh, Manchester United, I don't think will spend enough to tempt Daniel Levy to sell him to Manchester United. So I'm going to say that I think there's a chance he'll be there at the start of the season. I'm going to say yes, and it's going to be up to Ange to, to, to sell him it, that this is the place for him to be. Well, regardless of whether Kane is there or not, the squad is going to need some overhauling. There was a great video put out by uh, Tifo Football, JJ Bull, talking about how Ange's style could be implemented onto the existing Tottenham team. And the biggest concern to come out of it was a midfield uh, of Rodrigo Bentoncourt and uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg were not the sort of midfielders that Ange Postacoglu likes to work with, and they may struggle to implement his style. And yet those are two cornerstones, Bridgie, of the Tottenham team. So in terms of fans giving uh, Ange time, but also the club giving Ange time, how difficult is it going to be to make that first impression, given he's got one transfer window and then the Premier League is upon him and he might be starting with players that could cause him to either have to uh, do some real hands-on coaching or maybe compromise on his own style, as unlikely as that may seem, given that Ange has generally shown that he doesn't compromise on his own style. Well, you've just answered the question there. He does not compromise on his style. I don't think he will compromise because if he does compromise on his style, then everything that Danny Levy's come out and said in the last four, 24 hours has been the attacking style of play, the proactive one we want. And he's going to have to change the mindset of some of them players and say this is how we're going to do it. The other side of it, there's two, I think, absolutely cracking players that could potentially be a good signing for Spurs that has gone on over here. Harvey Barnes and Madison. Um, Madison from Leicester, Barnes gone down. Madison, I believe, you know, there's a lot of interest in him. I wouldn't mind seeing that type of attacking style midfielder coming to Tottenham Hotspur because... Like you say, the two, Ben and Kerr, I do, I like him more than, um, than he suggests. He has been getting a lot of goals, but I, I don't think he is going to be the one that's going to unlock enough doors. And that's why I think somebody like a Madison, um, I would love to see now if that was the kitty that they were given to try and get somebody like that. But like you say, there's a there's the midfield for me, um, going forward, not a problem with Spurs. Midfield, like you say, run out of ideas and things, but it, it, the big worrying sign is that defensive unit. But there's a lot of players coming back as well. I was just looking, uh, Lo Celso's away, um, out on loan. You've got Reggion who is away, um, on loan as well. And there, there's a few players coming back. Gill. So he's got a lot of things to sort out, and you know, when he sees the, the loan players that are coming and the ones he wants to get rid of. So again, the, these are all tasks and challenges that I think this man thrives on and can handle the pressure. I, I think um, I think we'll see something left field. I think we'll see potentially a Japanese player again. We'll see something, uh, an unknown player to, to us over here in, in Europe. It's going to be a player that, that Ange knows really, really well and will know that fits his system really well. 
Um, so yes, he's got a lot of players to deal with still at, at Spurs. Will it be as as easy as as, as such as saying, well, you know, trying to get rid of players if they don't leave, then do you know can you still bring players in? It won't quite be that simple because Daniel Levy obviously runs a very tight ship. So I think Andrew's more than capable of dealing with players that he's got there. He'll he'll deal with them. He will play the way he's played. I will say though, with the national team, he did start off in a slightly different system to or, or, or style of football to how he wanted to end up and where he wanted to get to because he wanted to 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 coach the players into it. So that took a little bit of time with the national team. Um, but the national team is obviously very different, right? You, you you obviously can't go and buy and sell players, right? So you've got the players you've got. Whereas with club football, you've got a little bit more of an opportunity to to, to bring in wheel and deal and, and, and deal with other players. So, But I still believe that he has got the ability to tweak the way he plays, to adjust. But in general, he won't obviously change his way. He plays that high pace on the front foot um, and high pressurized game uh, and wants to play it for 90 minutes so um, that that's going to be a really challenging period for him but uh, look he did it at Celtic when they brought in 12 new players in the off season I know yeah. I mean look two different clubs of course different leagues but he still did it and he turned he turned a 25 point deficit around from the previous season to go on and win uh, by another 10 or 15 points or whatever it was so uh, look I, I think he's more than capable of doing it given the opportunity to now, close to your heart, Schwartzy, as the, the head of the goalkeepers' union, is moving on from Hugo Lloris. Now, some of the transfer targets include uh, Georgi Mamadashvili, David Raya, Robert Sanchez, but also, after the sacking of uh, Paolo Maldini at AC Milan, Mike Magnon might be agitating for a departure as well. So how important is getting that first goalkeeper signing right getting the long-term successor for Hugo Lloris oh huge absolutely monumental um I think wherever Ange has been that's been a critical point uh, he did it at Celtic um you know with the national team there was a massive change obviously when I when I retired from the national team Matty Ryan came in which is suited more suited the way that Ange wanted to play because um, it was certainly something that wasn't wasn't suited to the way I played um and uh for 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 Ange and Spurs for Ange to really implement his system, he needs a playing a good playing goalkeeper, and I think someone like De Rea has shown at um, Brentford that he can obviously play in the Premier League. That he's that he's a you know he's a good goalkeeper. Um, we've seen bits of him at Brentford playing on the ball with his feet. He looks very very comfortable. Um, so I think in terms of someone who knows the Premier League really well and has has played in it and has played well in it, he's he's a good option, a really good option. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Sanchez. I don't think Sanchez is the right right type of goalkeeper for for Spurs. But only time will tell. Um, but I'm sure he'll have already ideas. There's no doubt about it. I mean, as much as he talked about fully focused on on Celtic and the next couple of days enjoying the moment, of course he would have been doing all that absolutely. But he also would have, in the back of his mind, been thinking, okay, what are options? Where you know what are players? And he would have had players on 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 you know that he'd already already observed anyway. That's just what managers do. Certainly the top managers do. They're always looking at the next the next best thing, the next player that they'd like to bring in somewhere along the line. Well, I'll tell you somebody I was admiring the other, the other day when I'm watching the final and I'm thinking, oh, if Ange does get this move coming through and he, he takes he takes an opportunity, Kyogo, he's been absolutely magnificent at Celtic and the, the amount of chances, the, the strike ratio from chances created to how many puts away, 
is frightening. So watch this space with Kyogo, the Celtic player. I'm sorry to the Celtic fans out there, but I'm sure Ange is going to try and take that young man with him. Be interested to see, though, what Celtic have done in the deal, right? So there might be some restrictions in terms of how many players he can come back and buy. You know, often we hear those sort of those clauses in contracts that managers just can't come back and raid the whole team and, and, uh, and, and, and take them with them. Bridgie, take us inside the fan base. We know that Ange Postacoglu has become beloved in just two seasons at Celtic. Winning helps, but the way he spoke to his constituency, the way he communicated to the fans through the media was otherworldly. Not a surprise to us in Australia, but certainly something that took the Scottish Premiership by storm. How difficult is it going to be to set the expectations for the Spurs fan base, especially given that as a global club with an international audience, uh, we've all been subject to the social media naysayers going troppo over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I think that was a big challenge when I, th- I was thinking about Ange coming to Celtic and I remember thinking, how is he going to handle the media side of it to get his message across to the fans? And do you know what it is? The homework that he did, the research on the football club that he did, he got to, you know, he, he went dredging the archives to understand the DNA of Celtic Football Club. He goes and he talks about past players. Um, I went up to interview him for Optus Sport at the start of the season when we went there. He tapped the wall. There was a there was the, the, the players in their huddle on the wall and he tapped it and he went to me, he went, that's what it's all about. And then there was a, a guy walking around working and he knew he knew the guy's the guy's name that was the team. And it was just it's the way he embraces and makes everybody feel wanted. So he does his homework, his research, and he gets his message across. Yes, results do help, Teo, without a shadow of a doubt. But when you win fan base on you become available. You always see him. He's so animated with the fans. That's what I loved about him. When them Celtic fans were going off at the start of the season and asking questions, he said, he stuck by it. He said, I'm going to bring you success. I'm going to bring you attractive football. And he didn't He didn't go away from that and shy away from that. And I think the fans respected him for that because he delivered what was said when he bought the recipe book to take it to Celtic Football Club. And I think that's why they bought him because they realised that he didn't just come in and talk absolute crap. He did his research. He understood what the football club was about. He's a passionate man and he loves the game. And that is exactly what Celtic fans are. Now, the Spurs fans, in the, I've been a very, very disappointed in the last few days with all this, a lot of the stuff I've been reading from a lot of the Spurs fans. I mean, there was a guy, obviously you wouldn't have heard it, but on the radio over here, couldn't even pronounce his name properly. And I just thought it was so disrespectful. He said he's won a Mickey Mouse Cup up in Scotland. And I'm thinking, you know, these kind of, there's, there's a small minority that just, don't understand and do the homework to realise how good this guy is and what they're getting. And it's very reminiscent of when Pochettino came in, when he was an unknown, and what did he do? He delivered a lot of things that he that he said he would do, and then Tottenham went to the glitz and glamour coaches, and they delivered nothing. So I'm very, very excited, and I think he will get his message across absolutely brilliantly because he always does. Mark, you've been in the dressing room with some of the biggest personalities and top managers in the game. When Ange takes on both the dressing room internally but also the press pack externally, from a personality point of view, do you think he's immediately ready and that's one of the reasons that he has been given the job or will there be a bit of a crash course in dealing with the uh, the English tabloids and particularly the London press? Uh, look, I, I think... I think he's more than ready. Like you know, in Scotland, it's not easy. It's it's very difficult to to deal and handle the press. So certainly, when things don't go well, certainly right at the beginning, um, they lost you know, lost their what, lost their first game or lost something like that. In, in in when he was at Celtic, a lot of people were 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 already up against him. Um, there was ha- harsh critics. I look. I think I think he's more than ready. Um, obviously, the Premier League is bigger. There's no doubt about it. Um, is Tottenham a bigger club than Celtic? 
no. I mean, Celtic is absolutely monumental around the world. Um, but Spurs is a massive club as well and is in, in the Premier League. So the media attention globally is far greater than it is in the, in the Scottish Premiership. Um, but I think he's more than capable. You know, he's worked at a World Cup. Um, you know, Japan's absolutely crazy in Asia for, for, for Japanese football. So I, I think he's more than capable and more than capable of dealing with the press and any any kind of uh, questions that they put towards him because he's he's got such belief in his own ability um, that I think he speaks with such clarity and such um, confidence that it automatically puts people sort of like assured almost in terms of this guy oh, okay like let's give him let, let, let's wait and see then I mean he speaks very confidently about the way way he, uh, he coaches his teams the way his teams play and his, his self-belief in his own and his uh, in his own ability um, and I think ultimately as always Bridgie mentioned it before itself you know you 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 get you get um, you get judged on your performances you get judged on on results and and ultimately that's I'm sure what you know he'll use very strongly within his within his first measures at the club. It's all about building relationships, building trust, and showing people what he's capable of and what this team can do. Well, let's switch gears and bring it back for what the impact will be closer to home. Michael Bridges, I have a question for you. Do you recall what you were doing on January the sixteenth, two thousand and ten? January the sixteenth, two thousand and ten. Um, I have no idea. In the in, in the context of this podcast, does that help uh, jog your memory? Why would I be asking what you were doing on that day? Was I either coming to Australia or was I leaving Australia to sign? I don't know, but that's about round about the time. I can tell you, I can tell you that Newcastle two defeated Brisbane Raw nil at Suncorp Stadium, and you scored against Ange Postecoglou's Brisbane Raw. And uh, Tommy Orr, who we're going to hear from later in this podcast, also got subbed on in that game. But you did play against Ange Postacoglu's Brisbane Raw a number of times when you were here in the A-League. Did you ever imagine that his career would end up where it has? And what impressions, if any, did you get from him when he was an opponent of yours when you were playing against him? So, you know, do you know what it is? I remember playing playing up there um, and, like you say, the... With, with the style of play, you could see that he what he was trying to bring to Brisbane. You could see there was a different style. I just remember the, all the all the sagas that were going on um, off the field because there was a few of the the senior players that he'd had to make big decisions with. I think there was Charlie Miller at the time. I think one was Craig Moore, and there was Danny Tiato as well. So they were big, big household names at Brisbane Row. And to see the, the you know these caliber of players leave, I'm thinking, oh, is Ange doing the right thing here? Do you not need them type of players? And he went on just to prove that the big decisions that he made um, were the, the the right decisions. So that's I, I can't remember thinking at the time when I'm playing what I see him up there. But after seeing the decisions that he made and the style of play and what Brisbane Moore went on to do, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to play under this guy. Um, and I was thinking, but then at the end of my career, I couldn't have done the running that he was asking people to do. So I'm kind of thinking there's a fine line. And then I kind of got, as you go into coaching and you understand what type of players you need for your style of play. Um, and you realise that then I couldn't play for Ange Postacoglu um, in the future. But I've always followed his, like I say, ever since then, I followed his um, his, his career path on and off the field because I was going to go and go through my badges. And I'm thinking if you're, if you're that, if you can make them big, strong decisions to follow what you were all about. And I think Swartz mentioned it before, everything that he seems to say and do, it's always calculated. 
he always seems to think so hard about the impacts that can happen um, with, with either decisions, but he sticks by them. So, um, yeah, that you, a little trip down memory lane there for us, mate. You've got a better, better memory than I have, to be fair. And would I ever see him get where he was? No, I never thought I would. But now that we're at this moment in time, 13 years later, I am absolutely delighted because it's a club that I obviously have followed since a young age. And um, to have somebody that I know has gone through the hard yards of 27 years of coaching to get somewhere like this, that is what it's all about. And it's well-deserved. It's funny you say that, Bridgie, because uh, the first time I saw Ange Postacoglu's football, I would have been 11 or 12. And my relationship with the game would have been playing on weekends, but then watching the NSL on Sundays and watching him win the NSL with South Melbourne. And then you would get the Premier League highlights for one hour on a Monday night. And it would have made perfect sense for me that the best coach in Australia might end up being the best coach in England one day. But that's me as a 12-year-old. Anyway, Mark Schwarzer, what does uh, this mean for the game in Australia and the broader flow-on effect it's going to have for Australian coaches? Because Ange was already a trailblazer in that respect. But how much more is this going to help the reputation of Australia as a footballing nation? I think it's going to have a huge impact. Well, it potentially could have a huge impact. I, I, I think, I think you know, we've already seen in Japan, Kevin Muscat came in and replaced Ange. We, 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 we know in Scotland, there's an enormous amount of respect for Australian footballers, but also managers now in terms of what Ange did at, at uh, Celtic. Um, and I think if he's successful here in the Premier League, it will potentially open the door. Certainly will make clubs possibly have a broader search probably possibly open their eyes up a little bit more to two australian coaches um that are doing well abroad and have the potential to go on and do well you might even see some coaches leaving australia going to lower league clubs in 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 the uk coming to maybe league two league one teams you know initially just to find their way through because we know that australian coaches are coached really well The, the 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 um the qualifications they go through, um, the attention to detail, the sports science, we're up there, absolutely up there with the very best. We just very rarely get opportunities. And just yeah. and has created this unbelievable opportunity for himself. He's done it himself. It's like, you know, all the hard work, all the effort, all the commitment, the sacrifices is are paying off. And now he's again, you know, it's like a footballer. You've, you've always, you've got to continuously prove yourself. Um, and Ange has an opportunity now, an unbelievable opportunity to 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 really, you know, put his name up in lights, to really set the standards, and also to set a path for future Australian coaches. Yeah, totally. He's become a pioneer, and, that, and that's what he's done. Like you see, he's done the hard yard sportsy. And if you think about what he's done as well, mate, he's not one of these that goes around and takes a whole entourage with him. Because, I, like you said, I've seen some of the staff that he worked with at the Australian, Australian Socceroos. Like you would have done the sports sciences on a different level, the analysis of detail, the you know the the planning that goes into everything like that. You'll have seen that with the Socceroos. He's gone and he he's not. What what I really really like about Ange is he's never scared to give people the opportunity to go with him. We saw it with um, Pete Klimovsky. We saw it with Arthur Pappas. We've seen it with Kevin Musket. And now we you know there's, there's opportunities that he's gone on to let them come without feeling intimidated by it or he's going to threaten to get backstabbed. He's embraced them to come on board and help them with the thing. Harry Kuehl at Celtic as well. So I respect that side of him, but he's never taken a massive entourage with him where he goes to a club. The hardest thing to do is go into them football clubs and win not only the fans over and the media, but get the buy-in from the staff that are there. 
And I think that is how he, how he delegates that role as well is what impresses me even more. Even more impressive is about what he did at Celtic, was going there by himself. And I remember people, you know, lambasting the fact that he was a manager in the first place then saying he has to bring people in. He has to bring his own coaches in. He has to bring his own staff in. No, he, he went with every single coaching staff that were there from the, that previous season. A coaching staff that, from all accounts, the, the, uh, the, the Celtic fans were desperate to get out of the club. They, they were blaming them as part of the problem. Yeah. And he gave all of them. He sat them all down. He told them his vision. He went through everything. And I remember talking to him about it and asking him, and he said, look, it just keeps me on my toes. Every time I walk in through this door, I know I've got to be performing every single day. And I've also got to, I can never relax. I've always got to keep an eye on everyone. And that's not just the players, but all the staff. Well, Bridgie, what do you think this appointment is going to do to Tottenham's profile in Australia and the impact on their global brand? Because they have been to Australia a couple of times. They were out here for the International Champions Cup in 2016. I mentioned they're going to be in Perth, and uh, I think Ange's first game in charge, friendly or otherwise, will be that game in Perth against West Ham United, which now shapes as a, an absolutely huge occasion. But what do you think it's going to do for Tottenham Hotspur's impact here in Australia? Oh, I think it, I think it's going to be huge. I know, you, we, we all know how big the Asian market is for for fans and shirt sales and things like that and buying at the football club. I know we're not talking about the population in Australia like we are in some other countries like China and Japan and things, but the caption mark, the capture mark, we've seen Manchester United come out here. We've seen Liverpool come out to Australia. We've seen Leeds United try and get in, engraved into their market in Australia as well. And they, they realise the impact and, and how influential, it, uh, important it is to get more Australians following their football clubs. Now, this obviously is not the intent of Tottenham Hotspur. They're taking Ange for his influence and the silverware that he's done, his style of play, and, and like I say, he's a serial winner. But there's a massive thing, you know, Perth are going to be a game in Perth. They're travelling out there. It, it, it's absolutely huge because every coach um, in the country, everybody that's involved in football knows the, the story of Ange now, and they're going to want to be part of the journey. And I'm sure Tottenham Hotspur will get a lot more shirt sales, they'll get a lot more buying, a lot more support for Spurs, um, especially in Australia now because of the appointment of Ange, because that's how important this guy has been to Australian football. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think it's absolutely enormous. I, I think the, uh, the attention that Ange is going to uh, receive... Um, the impact it's going to have, not just in the football community in Australia, because the football community knows Ange already. They know his journey. It's it's the wider community. It's the wider media. The attention is going to be absolutely huge. And I think that what we're going to see is something that we've probably never seen before um, in, in Australia with a, an English Premier League side coming out to Australia led by an Australian manager, which is is just remarkable it's quite it's quite remarkable even hearing myself say it um so so i i think it's going to have a huge huge impact with uh with the fan base in australia now bridgie one premier league team with one of the biggest fan bases in australia is arsenal and i know australian based rangers fans have had a, a testing two years What's your message to Australian-based Arsenal fans, of which very quietly I will declare I am one? Look at you, just trying to fuel the fire so my Twitter gets absolutely abused off the Arsenal fans yet again. And here he is, just poking the bear in the bloody cage. Mate, <laughs> you know what it is? It, it, having, having seen the Celtic fans over the weekend and seen them, obviously, over the last couple of seasons when Ange's been there and how he, he's won them over and won things, 
and they are absolutely devastated. I mean, that was all the talk as he was lifting the trophy. All the people that were even in the boardroom just chatting, going, can we keep all this guy? It's going to be a disaster. If he goes, then Rangers are going to have a second opportunity under Beal. And, and I, I believe that Rangers fans will have been celebrating just as much as the Tottenham and uh, fans would have been in his, in his appointment. Well, most, most of them. Um, as Celtic would have been devastated and if you're an Arsenal fan I'll tell you what I would be very 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 worried now because if you think Tottenham have been the laughing stock over the last few years Arsenal have been thriving on it and the way Arteta's taken your team and Arsenal on to do great things the style of play that Arteta has Arsenal playing well watch this space because next season it's going to be a whole different ball game when we come up against each other and it's going to be great to actually see two attacking minds um, come out because if you think that oh, Pep Guardiola has always had a good thing to say about Ange even when they you know when they met each other in the when he was coaching the J League uh, Pep Guardiola came out and said wow that was a tough challenge he's a fantastic coach he's one to watch for the future Pep Guardiola just given him a massive rap over here um, today as well talking about oh another fantastic manager coming to the Premier League that's another person that's going to challenge me so you've got somebody that Pep admires against Arteta somebody that Pep took under his wing and um, all these coaches that are coming now to play that type of football, embrace it. And I'm sorry, Arsenal fans, next season against Spurs, zero points for yous. All right, to finish with then. As we know, expectations for Tottenham haven't quite been set just yet because there's so much hanging over the club with whether or not Harry Kane stays. So, Bridgie and Schwartzy, do you pull all the stocks out to go for top four, including sacrificing the domestic cups? Or do you think Ange will have the patience of the club's administration and the fans to potentially finish 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th, but also go on a cup run and try to end that silverware drought? Let's set some expectations. Where do you think it's going in year one? In year one, I don't care where we finish in the league as long as Ange and the club have a great cup run and deliver some form of silverware. I think Levy will want the Champions League for the money and all that kind of thing, but as a fan and as a person and a guy that... If I'm Ange Postacoglu, I'm thinking I'm Ange Postacoglu with his hat on and what he is, he's a winner. And if he doesn't win any silverware and he delivers Champions League football, yes, it'll be a tick and a bonus because he gets to then compete like he did with Celtic, but with a much bigger squad and a much bigger budget to go for that and maybe do things in European football. That'll be huge for him in his second season, no doubt about it. Ange will want to win something to deliver something. And I'm saying that's why, as a fan, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I think you'll go for all of the above. I think you'll definitely... The way he is... Um, the, 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 question, the biggest question is this, this transfer window. How much business can he get done? How much turnover can he, can he, can he, can he uh, uh, have in the club or will they have in the club for him to do what he wants to do? Does he need a big turnover? He may he may see it differently. Look, we're we're assuming he's going to have a massive turnover. Yes, there are there are some players that will possibly be leaving, but I think it's more about. Um, I think I don't think he'll have a year to just go out there and hopefully have a good cup run. And if they have a good cup run but don't finish in you know mid table and don't win anything, then it's a problem. So I think he'll go. I think he'll go. He'll play his way, and he'll believe that it's good enough to get them as high as possible up the league and possibly going on win silverware, like Bridgie said. Well, gentlemen, thanks for jumping on for an emergency gig and pod. Mark Schwartzer, great to have your company. Been an absolute pleasure, mate. 
And Michael Bridges, enjoy the rest of your day and I'm sure enjoy the rest of your off-season. Well, I was just about to say, it's not just about enjoying the day, it's enjoy the whole of the pre- off-season and into pre-season. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break here on the Gegen Pod. When we come back, we'll hear from Tommy Orr, who played for Ange Postacoglu. He'll take us inside Ange's dressing room and give us a bit of an insight into what the Spurs players can expect. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I'm joined now by 28 cap former Socceroo and World Cup player Tommy Orr. Tommy, you played for Ange Postacoglu for both club and country. Tell us about the first impression he'll make on the Tottenham group and the things that you'd expect he focuses on in the initial days and weeks. Yeah, you know, obviously every manager has um, a big job on their hands when they first enter a, a big dressing room at a club like Spurs or any of the big clubs in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of um, egos in the team. There's obviously a lot of political kind of dynamics in and around the club that, um, yeah, that you have to kind of wrestle with and get control over. But I think that, you know, every kind of situation Ange has been thrown into in his career to date, um, he's always been going into a club that's in turmoil, put simply, or that's underachieved in the, in the, in the period uh, before his arrival. So, you know, obviously I had him in Brisbane Raw at the start of my career and I, I also had him when he first joined the Socceroos. Um, so I've seen how he kind of enters, um, you know, enters the change room and how he tries to operate in the first couple of weeks of a new job. And I think that the first week or two, he'll be spending a lot of time, obviously not only on the training paddock, but more time than usual, you know, in the meeting room, kind of laying down the ground rules, selling his vision of the club and where he wants to take it. And, and not only that, but how he thinks he can get the team to that point. And I think that what's one of Ange's biggest strengths is that he's always managed to to achieve amazing buy-in from from everybody in and around the club. And he's never taken too long to achieve that. And I think that, um, you know, he's got a high level of emotional intelligence and he can, um, he, he reads people's characters very well and he understands what makes each individual tick. So I think that I don't envisage any issues with him in that regard going there. And, you know, I think that I remember as well going back to the Brisbane and the Socceroos, um, one of the first meetings we had on both occasions, I remember one of the things he said because it stuck with me for all these years and it was um, that, you know, he's not one to say what you can and you can't do. He's not going to make rules, but if you're not sure how to behave and how to be professional, you have to ask yourself the simple question, is the following act or the following decision going to help my team win a game of football? And if you're not sure if the answer is no, then you don't do it. It's as simple as that. Tell us what it's like to be in the room for one of those trademark motivational team talks Ange has become so renowned for. You saw a lot of the footage from the Socceroos camps and some of the, the footage from Celtic about the team talks that he's done and how passionate and fiery he can be. And, 
you know, there's one in particular I remember. I think it was that before the Asian Cup final in 2015 that we won where he, he went to such lengths to get, um, you know, footage from players playing football when they were growing up or messages from players' parents or families. And he, he talked about the journey that every player and the adversity that every player in that room had been through to get to that point to an Asian Cup final. And, you know, you, you think you've kind of heard it all before when you when you hear these pre-game speeches and you think that, you know, nothing's really going to get you that up for the game. But he really does find a way to tap into something special. And I think that's one of his biggest and biggest strengths and best attributes as a manager is his ability to, to motivate his squad. And um, for sure, he's the best I ever had in my career in that regard. Tommy, what is the best thing about playing for Ange Postacoglu? And maybe what was the most challenging or difficult thing about having him as the gaffer? Yeah, I think the best thing that I remember playing under Ange was the the freedom that you felt when you walked onto the field and the confidence. Um, he made you feel like your preparation had been flawless and to be honest, it probably had. But you went onto the field thinking, I'm going to have a great game and there's nothing that can happen on here that's going to change that. And I think that, you know, for, for a leader or a manager to instill that belief in a player is, is remarkable, really. And I think that, you know, it's a testament to his, I obviously said this word earlier, but his emotional intelligence because he knows exactly what he needs to say to each individual and each different character in the dressing room to get them feeling like that on game day. And... You know, obviously the preparation aspect, which I just touched on, is a big one because he spends so much time analysing the opposition. Um, you know, you go into every game knowing every single last detail about the other team and every single last detail about what he expects of you in that game and um, that what, what can give you more confidence than feeling fully prepared for something, you know. So I think that is probably... The thing I remember that I loved playing under him for is is how confident he made you feel going onto the pitch. And um, I think that maybe the, the thing I enjoyed the least playing under Ange is how intimidating he could be sometimes. You know, I remember you'd go into the breakfast room first thing in the morning and he'd be sitting there, you know, reading the newspaper or something. And one of the rules was, you know, every morning when you entered the room, you had to go and shake everybody's hand. And going to shake his hand, I remember, was probably one of the most um, nerve-wracking parts of the day. So it was probably best to get over and done with first thing. But, um, yeah, I think that was probably the only the only small thing that I, I didn't like about it, to be honest. And, Tommy, how do you see him handling the step-up in pressure, be it the club's stature, the wages, the egos in a Premier League dressing room, or the immediacy with which the fan base will be judging and wanting results? You know, mentioning the, the ego and the wages and these types of variables is something that, you know, he'll have to, to overcome. But I think that anybody who's worked with Ange will understand the way he operates and how, you know, those types of things don't really come into the equation and how he operates day to day. Um, I think that, you know, it'll, it'll become apparent very early in his mind at least which players he can rely on and which players are, you know, invested in what he wants to instill at the club and which players aren't. And I think that... Um, you know, that the ones who aren't will probably find themselves on the outer very quickly, irrespective of the status or or their, you know, how big of a player they are. And I think that when I when I first signed at Brisbane and uh, Ange 
Ange came in, I think in the first two or three weeks, we three or four of the senior players, you know, the Australian internationals and probably the biggest players in the team all left. So it's not something that he's going to shy away from, you know. Um, he's also a very intimidating man, um, actually. He's got an aura and a presence about him when he enters the room. So I don't think people will be thinking they can walk all over this guy at all. If anything, it's the complete opposite. So I don't think he'll have any issues in regards to managing the egos um, there. Um, obviously at Celtic, I'm sure he, and also with the Socceroos, he already got a little bit of a taste for, for managing some of the bigger players and the bigger personality types. And um, yeah, I, I think that the main challenge will be um, you know, in the Premier League, they're probably the most ruthless when it comes to allowing or affording managers time to impl- implement their ideas. And I think that that's the only potential hurdle that I can see that will, um, um, you know, not allow Ange to flourish, um, you know, because sometimes it can take a little bit of time to implement what you want. But I do think that, um, yeah, he'll be able to pull it off and be a, a, a massive success there. The thoughts of former Socceroo Tommy Orr there and also a big thanks to Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges. Optus Sport has comprehensive written coverage and digital content on the Optus Sport website, app and social media about the Ange Postacoglu appointment. Tommy Orr has penned a column about his first-hand experience playing for Ange. John McGinley has written a farewell letter from a Celtic perspective assessing Ange's impact and legacy. And Alex Kebble has taken a deep dive into what we can expect with selection and tactics from Ange at Spurs. The J-League and K-League seasons continue. You can see the broadcast details on the Optus Sport website and app. There's always live football on Optus Sport. And it is a double drop of the Gegen Pod this week. You can join myself and Phil Kittramalitis as we break down the conclusion to the La Liga season and assess it from top to bottom. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to rate us five stars while you're there. This has been the Optus Sport Football Podcast. My name is Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for listening to the Gegen Pod.